I'm Laura McGuire and I'm an entrepreneur and I was sick and tired of being squeezed into control top pantyhose and tights like these are. How has clothing and fashion affected how you feel about yourself throughout the course of your lifetime? I always think one of the more interesting things about fashion is that it's trendy, it changes, it comes back, it moves forward. And with my guest today, Laura McGuire, CEO and founder of Hipsticks, we talk a lot about how fashion becomes part of your identity in a sense of your confidence, your comfort level. It's more than just clothing. And we dive deep into those topics and those discussions and Laura is just a wonderful person. I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation between her and myself. And uh, just take the time to really think about how fashion influences your life. Ladies and gentlemen, Laura McGuire. All right, Laura, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate you coming on. How are you doing today? I am doing good. Dr. D, it is fun to be with you. I love the branding of Dr. D. I love that. Yeah. What do you what do you like about it? Oh, it's punchy, it's powerful, it's fun to say. It you're someone I want to know. Oh man. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really nice. Well, I really appreciate that. And um I appreciate all the conversations that I have and just getting to learn about different people. And I really enjoyed our off-air conversation that we had before. Yeah, it was fun. There was a lot of energy and I, you even mentioned it and I felt it too. So when, you, when you've got that going on, it's definitely worth having another, another conversation. Yeah, well, I think the podcast, for me, it's just, I think people have heard me say it, it's just a way to share stories and allow people to be their the person they want to be without making it feel like they're selling something or trying to do something like that. It's like, I know that's part of some of what you do and things, but I wanted to feel like, Hey, you could talk about your life on here, anything and, and feel inhibited, you know? Well, you have such variety of guests. And so really for a listener, you can, uh, you know, click into someone and not even know like what you're going to run into in the conversation and drive so much energy from it. So it's it, that variety. It, it's just fun. You want to click to the next. You want to learn about the next person, the next. So that's great. I'm trying to keep that up, you know, especially like I, I have a really dialed in now, like, okay, I really want to get a feeling about somebody. And whether I go over their profile or, you know, they reach out to me and I get, just get a sense of like, Will this be interesting to me <laughs> mainly? You know, like I, I I want my audience to be interested, but I also feel like these are things like I just want to talk about. I want to get into it. And I, I feel interested in these people. Are they people I want to have a conversation with? Yeah, I don't want to have a beer with everybody. You know, like <laughs> right. I mean, it's only, you know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, you're you're in the business of motivating people, and I think part of being a good motivator is getting to know someone. It's, it's really understanding them to the way that you can absolutely help them because you're dialed into them. And so, you know, it does make sense, your conversations with people and just what you do for a living. Yeah. 
Definitely. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I mean, I would like to learn a bit more about you, like where you grew up and um, where your life has led you, you know, up to this point. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, what something that I talk about in my seminar, I have a seminar called Idea to um, Idea to Shelf to Sold. And I actually added the to sold part after I started getting into it because that's that's the important piece right there. But one of the things that I talk about in my seminar is how things don't happen overnight. Aha moments don't happen overnight. You don't learn to play the the cello overnight. There are things in your life, these stepping stones and these these moments that maybe you don't even realize when you're in the moment that get you to that ultimate aha place or get you to the career you want. And and I talk about that in the seminar because for me and where I've gotten um, you know, a lot of the Forbes articles or any kind of business uh, story you read, it sounds like it happened overnight. It sounds like overnight, a million dollars in the bank or overnight, you got a million followers. And that's just not how it happens. There are so many points and pegs um, that happen. So for me, um, it's there. It's a fun story of how I got into how I got into making legwear in the first place is just having a problem when I was a child, actually, and my mom having a problem with that and hearing her as a child and as a teenager complain about the product uh, that I ended up making um, and saying, gosh, my mom, she doesn't even like this. She doesn't even like this product. And hearing that as a child and then ending up getting a job at um, a department store and actually landing in that section of the product that I end up developing and helping customers try to navigate that section and say, oh my gosh, they're having so much problems and my mom had problems with this. And then realizing you know, after all those years combined, I I think I was about 30 years old or so. So 30 years of just continuing to see this problem saying, I could be the one to make that product better. And it just, it hit me, but there's so many points that lead you to that place, um, which is how I ended up making uh, the legwear product that I make today. You know, it's, I want to, kind of tag team off of what you said and kind of, uh, because it's very appropriate, I think. And I had a talk with uh, Michael Bryant last week, who's uh, started doing triathlons at 56 years old and Ironmans. And he talks a lot about this whole concept of there are a lot of points along the way. And, and many times like the points along the way are very slow, but when it comes down to the decision to do something. Once that kind of penultimate moment happens, it happens real quick. But that life is so much about all these steps along the way that we're really not conscious of that we're building something and along those steps. Like it's very sludgy, slow moving. But then once you get to that kind of critical mass point, it's like, boom, Exactly. Now we're here. Exactly. Exactly. And it doesn't happen at your desk. You know, it doesn't happen on a to-do list. It for me, that the boom that happened after 30 years was I was on an Amtrak train. I was on an Amtrak train and I'm looking out the window 
at the hosiery mills that are all like crumbling <laughs> and it just all comes together. But then you get to do that, you know, the mo- ma- movie magic moment where yeah. you see the flashback and you kind of see the flashback and say, okay, well, I, I couldn't have gotten here on this Amtrak train to this aha moment if I hadn't had 30 years before it. So, so yeah. And your conversation with um, the pizza, the owner of the Nick Bogaz. Yeah. Him too. I mean, loving his story about how he's a pizza delivery man. I mean, he is, he is in it for like many, many years and then says, you know what? I'm going to open my own restaurant. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. People are awesome. People are. It's just, I always find myself thinking, how do we awaken people to say, hey, I want you to be aware of these stepping stone moments. Maybe sometimes you feel like, man, what am I doing? Like, is this leading anywhere? You know, say, hey, this is one step that leads to the next step. And before you know it, you're going to get, it's going to be like a snap of a finger and then there'll be a big decision or there'll be a moment that will launch it. You know, and so I think sometimes we people miss those moments because they they don't think about the steps too much. They just want to get the big moment over with, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think in society and in life, the destination is so glorified. I mean, that back to the oh Forbes article, that's yeah. the destination is the Forbes article. The destination is that output that you do on social media, but um, gosh, what you have to do to build up to that. Um, there is so much underneath. And I think a lot of us is like a duck. We're like calm on top and our feet are like going crazy mm-hmm. underneath the water. And that I, I, I think business owners or anyone having a dream or wanting to pursue an idea, I caution anyone just reading those articles and just looking at that surface and to dive into the company, read their about page, look at their story. Cause a lot of times they tell a lot more of what's going to go into it. And in my seminar, that's kind of the approach that I take is that I'm not going to be, um, I'm not going to be negative. I'm not going to be down, but I am going to tell you that it's a climb. It is, we, you can't even see the destination point a lot of the times. And it is, it, it's all those steps. Um, exactly. I always equate it to what I do for business and fitness and exercise. It's, you know, I always have people, you know, throughout the, the many years of doing business and they try to equate exercise in the sense that it's very different from other things in their lives. So, oh, I want to be healthier or whatever, or I want to have, you know, I want to get fitter. And I'm like, okay, do you understand how long this takes? <laughs> you know, I'm like, right, this right. is a, every session is that sludgy moment. Every time you show up, it's just one foot over the next, over the time. And it's not a month or two. It's not three months. It's not six months. It takes a long time. But often we want we want that destination point. You saw a friend of yours or somebody on TV, they look amazing. You're like, I want that. That's the destination I want. But like, why are you looking at it that way? You know, right. like Yeah. I mean, we we're in such a a convenience based society and with social media, there are so many ways to look at it um from a quick perspective, a quick get perspective. Yeah. And 
it, it's hard to, it, I mean, hey, it, wouldn't we love to just like do one workout and uh, <laughs> look like a rock? Like right. that would be awesome. But he has put in the time, he's put in the work. Um, and uh, yeah, it, you know, the most fulfilling thing though, and, and when you look back on your memories or you look back on, uh, you know, maybe you're a business owner and you've looked back five years, those stepping stones and what we've been talking about is what you recall to mind, actually. Yep. It, it's what it's, it's that moment where like, you know, you get the, the manufacturer shows up, you know, the UPS truck, the manufacturer shows up to your fulfillment house and there are boxes stacked like <laughs> so high. And you're like, Oh wow. I got to catalog this because this is a moment, right? Yep. I always feel like for me, like that a lot of the great things that have happened to me in my life, um, have been very unexpected, extremely unexpected, yeah, yeah. you know, whether it's, um, personal relationships or business things. I feel like I, in my mind, I want to predict what I think will happen, but the way it turns out is often never the way I have seen. I've <laughs> seen it in my mind. You understand? Right. You know, like- absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I didn't wake up and say, I didn't wake up and say, I want to be a business owner. I, you know, I wonder how, what percentage of people do like maybe people who are in a family, mm-hmm. um, it's a family business that's, you know, they're destined to take over the family business. But I think it, if you look at the stories of a lot of business owners, um, they're going along their way. And, you know, like Sarah Blakely, she is someone I look up to cause she's in the category that I am yeah. in and her story, it has that, you know, she's going along her way. She's, She's finding out that there's a problem and she wants to solve it. And, you know, who knows if she was in college and said, Is this the Spanx oh, lady? Yes, yeah, yeah. this is the Spanx yeah. lady. Yeah. So I don't think she, you know, did she, was she in college and said, I'm going to be a business owner one day? I, you know, you, I don't know if that happens. I don't know if our, our pizza, our pizza entrepreneur said that yeah. he was just being a delivery guy. I guess, so. Yeah, it just always turns out a different way than you think it's going to be. And I think it's always probably a little bit better than like we design our lives a lot of times and say, oh, I want my life to be like this. But I mean, my life has turned out nothing the way I thought it was going to be, like literally nothing. And I'm extremely happy for it. I mean, it's right. been good, you know. Right. It's almost like it's okay. Like if, if the, if it doesn't go as planned, it's almost more, there's just more to chew on. It's just, there's more to look back on. Um, if it doesn't go by the books, um, maybe more challenging and that comes with its own, you know, hardships. But, uh, I, I think we can look back on these things and say, um, to ourselves, you know, it didn't go as planned, but let's see this for what did happen. Now for, in your instance, um, what was the biggest challenge in, in starting up kind of a clothing, a hosiery based company, I believe. And like, well, how did you just get it going? You know? <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, so that uh, uh, really the seminar that I do, I, I wanted to bring that to life because your question really is, I mean, that is the hardest part is starting. Starting anything is the hardest part. Yeah. 
And once you start, you actually, the, the ball can get rolling fast, but just start. I mean, think of, in your life of how many things that you haven't just started because that's the hardest part. <laughs> but um, So true. So, <laughs> it is so true. Right? Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, the challenge was manufacturing and the challenge is going to be different for everyone, for different for every situation. But finding manufacturing in the United States in a category, hosiery, that had been on the decline for so long and all these factories no longer, and, and that's what I saw on the Amtrak train. I saw those factories crumbling. So in the United States, and things may have changed since I started the business five years ago, but there were only three manufacturers that could make my product. Otherwise, I'd have to go overseas. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt like if I wanted to do this, I wanted to do it in my home state of North Carolina. And listeners can tell from my accent. I'm from yes, North they can. Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I wanted to do it in North Carolina. So then that narrowed it down and... Um, met with manufacturers and just found a fit with someone with a manufacturer that's only 90 minutes from my house. And that, that has been an amazing blessing to the business and something that, uh, when I'm, when I'm you know talking with a, a new startup, I say, try to get as close as you can to your product and the manufacturing of that, because the further you are away the harder it will be to be able to influence the product, yeah. to feel close to it, to feel excited about it. So to your question, that was our challenge, but the challenges run the gamut what was in the, terms of business. Tell me about the decline of hosiery. I mean, when you said that, I was like, yeah, I mean, I think probably a lot of people, and I was kind of struck by that when I started looking at hipstick and things. I'm like, I remember this being like a thing in like the 80s. You know, like right. with women's hosiery and stuff. And then you see kind of a shift. Talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah. So I'm at, one thing that I did not know going in, and I'm just, I was just, you know, I was just blind and just happily blind to the fact that apparel as an industry is very trend based. And um, so there are trends at play in my category. And it's about influencing trends by natural things that your customer wants. So my customer, women, professional women, they had been given a product availability in department stores or wherever that was not meeting their needs. And it was an uncomfortable experience. It was an experience that women said, I, I don't want to wear this. I would rather wear pants. I would, I would rather just be cold and go bare-legged. So I think over time, because the category did not evolve and change to the customer's needs, it, it what became on the decline. So yeah, in the 80s, it was the style. Women are loving hosiery. Um, they're having fun with it, a lot of colors. And then uh, the 90s come and the product hasn't changed and the and 2000 comes and women want to wear yoga pants. They want to wear, uh, wear leggings. And so I think for anyone who's launching a product 
to look back at the past, the history of their category, and to see what is it that the customer needs that the category is not giving them, that that product is is not providing them. And that's the white space um, that can totally turn a trend around. So I've seen um, that hosiery has um, been on the incline now because there's more and more products um, that are delivering the comfort that women demand in, in their wardrobes today. is revolutionizing the hosiery experience for women of all shapes with the only true low-rise hip-happy stay-up tights. No more control top, no more over-the-belly, high-waisted tormenting and squeezing, no more rolling or sagging. They say tights make the outfit, but hipstick tights will make your day happy. Hipstick tights are made of soft, durable fabric. The lace top fits your shape without rolling or squeezing, and they stay right where you want them thanks to our unique silicone stick strip. We are proud to say Hipstick tights are made in the USA. I'm Laura McGuire, founder of Hipstick, and I'm bringing you the only true low-rise, hip-happy stay-up tights. I had tried so many different styles and brands of tights and had pretty much given up on being comfortable. One day at work, after lunch of course, I could not take my control top any longer. So I took a pair of scissors into the bathroom with me and cut right down the top. They gave me relief from the squeezing, but then I had to do the little dance to keep them up for the rest of the day. That's when I had a light bulb moment. With my background in product development and marketing, I knew I could bring comfortable tights to women tights that women actually want to wear. I knew what I wanted in a pair of tights, but I wanted to ask women just like you, what features were important to you? There was a lot of agreement. No more control top, no more squeezing, no more rolling and sagging. Make them soft. Make them stay put. Make them so comfortable all day. Oh, and make them real sizes. Because let's be honest, women don't just come in three sizes. I've tested these with the women closest to me, the ones not afraid to tell me exactly what they think. And here's what they said. Extremely soft tights with great quality. The lace band is really comfortable and it doesn't give you a squeeze. These tights are so comfortable. They stay in place without pinching or rolling. I've never seen low-rise tights anywhere else before. And I've been searching for something like these for a couple of years. I went through my closet and cannot wait to wear all my favorite dresses and skirts again this fall and winter because hipstick tights are so comfortable and sexier too. I know you will feel the same. Thank you for backing us today. Be stylish, be comfortable, be happy. So what's the difference between yesterday's hosiery, meaning like, let's say 80s, early 90s hosiery versus what is out today that makes it so different? Great question. So the hosiery of yesteryear was made in a tubular fashion. It was made just a certain way and it did not account for women's shapes. It did not, um, it did not 
help that that women come in all different shapes and sizes. So uh, the aha moment that came to me is that you got to design a product that um, reflects women's bodies today and where they desire to be comfortable. So um, I created a product that has a stretchy lace and wide lace band that stays up. Um, and there are other products coming on the market and um, brands like uh, that I admire, like Spanx. Um, they are doing things to meet the demands of women's comfort. Whereas I think if you asked a woman in the 80s who was wearing her hosiery to work, she would tell you, oh, I'm uncomfortable, but I have to wear it. <laughs> and that just doesn't fly today. <laughs> uh, that just does not fly in today's society. So <laughs> I'm uncomfortable, but I don't have, but I have to wear it. What was the, why the have to wear it statement? I mean, I, I'm, I don't, I don't really know a lot about this. That's why I'm asking. That may be a naive question, but you know. No, no. You know, women in the workplace has also changed a lot uh, over time. And there are jobs that still, you still wear a certain um, uniform or a certain wardrobe, like flight attendants. Um, They're they're a a large customer set of ours. Um, So if you think back, um, I'm watching the TV show um, Black Monday. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so funny. It's got Don Cheadle and it's great. And it's set in the 80s. So you can see the women, they're like wearing the crazy fat. I mean, everyone listening to this podcast can conjure up to mind the like crazy pink dresses and the big yes. bows and the, I mean, just the the Hawaiian shirts. Men loved Hawaiian shirts back then. <laughs> I, they need to come back in style. Um, but uh, so just, just trends, apparel trends were driving that, um, as well as, I mean, I think the athleisure, athleisure as a clothing type, I mean, that has exploded. Athleisure is everything that your, your clients, when they come, when they come to your personal training, that's what they're wearing. And I, we, we became a society where we loved the way athleisure felt like while we were working out, where we said, I want to just also be wearing that everywhere. Right. Um, yeah. and, and I think even in today's time, it's it's almost comical, the whole like dress for the Zoom meeting where you got yeah. a, suit, a suit on top and you're in your underwear <laughs> or you're you're just wearing like pajama pants all day long every day. We're, we're in a society where we want to be comfortable at all moments in all things. So- so that's, I mean, I don't know that that was as much of a, um, of a mandate in the eighties in our attire. People just didn't think about it yet. And we have thought more and more about being comfortable as time has gone on. You you know what, this is a fascinating, uh, way to take this conversation because see, again, I never know where these things are going to go. That's why I don't like scripting <laughs> these things. Cause I, I, yeah, I don't want to be it. caught in like, um, this matrix of predictable questions and things like, all right, so we're now we're talking about comfort, comfort. Now I remember growing up and my parents and my grandparents, you know, especially my grandparents, you know, wearing suits all the time and the ladies on dresses and things. And when did we become a society where, 
Like I lived in Las Vegas for a long time. I remember looking back at old things of Vegas and everybody wore a suit where they went everywhere. And now we've become a society where everybody wears workout clothes, basically, and, and wants to be ultimate relaxed. What, what is that shift? What, what happened in our, I, listen, I like to relax. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying what happened? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I remember in the 90s, we always chose Olive Garden for our birthday dinner. Growing up, that I have I have two sisters, so it was the three of us girls, and we always wanted to go to Olive Garden for mm-hmm. our birthday. We would all dress up. Like, all of us would get into the cutest outfits. My dad would dress up, and we'd go to Olive Garden. And I realized, like, it's been a couple years ago now, but I was like, you know what? Nobody dresses up to go to Olive Garden anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody dresses up to go anywhere. Um and and I think even in the major mark, even in the metro markets like um, New York and places that were known to be like fashion meccas, I think they've gone comfortable as well. I, I think as humans, we gravitate. I mean, with the availability of comfort, we want it, but we gravitate towards the fabrics that are soft. We gravitate to being more relaxed and more comfortable. And you're right. Men used to wear suits to work. And now, you know, there was this thing that where they were said, okay, on Fridays, we'll have casual Friday. And then it became that the employees were like, well, you know, I can do the same job in what I'm wearing on Friday as I can on Tuesday. So can can we can the whole week be casual? I Friday? remember that. And, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So so I think that that is a trend and it's hard to it's hard to see that trend go away. I agree. It, it's <laughs> Yeah, I, com- we are creatures of comfort. So it's it's hard to see a world where like you go to a department store and there's like 500 tables of ties for men. I I just don't, I don't see where men are going to want to wear ties. I don't know. I hate ties, like with a passion. Like I really (laughs) don't like dressing up. Like, I I mean, I like it in a more casual dressy dress up way. You know, I, it's just, it's so weird. Like I never like dressing up like ever. And I just more of, I mean, I grew up an athlete. I was constantly wearing athletic gear my, literally my entire right, life. Right. And so having to adjust to working in, you know, um, in the work, work society and like, you know, still in like the nineties and stuff. I'm like, I'm like, this is so awkward. And I have a couple nice suits, but like, I mean, I might wear them once or twice every couple years at this point, you know, and uh, it just doesn't feel right to me. You know, it's like you go to a wedding or something and you wear a suit. You're right. like, man, this is, I don't wear this stuff. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, that's a lot of our customers. If it's not for their uniform, um, a lot of our customers, um, the women, you know, they write to me and they say, I'm about to have to go to a wedding and it's in, you know, it's in the winter time. I need to cover my legs. I need a product that's going to be comfortable. Um, and so, so yeah, I think that special occasion we still we still go to dressing up. It, it's almost as a respect for yes. ourselves and a respect for the event and the person. So I think I think we crave dressing up in these small, like bite sized 
uh, you know, one weekend every couple of months thing. Yeah. Um, I wonder, you know, your your question made me uh, ponder the thought if the way you feel in clothes leads you to certain careers, mm. like like if you are you're an you're an athlete, you're wearing certain clothes. Did that that shape like the career that that you ended up having? I've never uh, thought about it that way, honestly. And that's very intriguing because I think that like if you're brought up in your life and you're always wearing, let's say, a sports uniform and it's comfortable or you're always wearing sweatpants, you know, back in the 80s and stuff, a lot of sweatpants, you know, and um, which I did not like either. <laughs> I wanted something a little more, a little tighter kind of thing. But, yeah, you yeah. know, I was just and then as a track and field athlete, all you do is wear spandex literally constantly. So when I was in college in the uh, like 96 through 2001, you know, this was way before like people were wearing, you know, yoga pants and things like that. You know, people in outside of athletic environments, they're wearing, women were wearing shorts. I mean, back then women wore shorts to work out. You never see women wearing shorts to work out now. I, at least I don't see it where I'm, it's, it's like unbelievable. It's just yoga pants. But like we just wore like tights back then, literally just tights everywhere, walk around campus, tights, t-shirt and stuff. So I was used to wearing that gear constantly growing up in college. And I was like, this, this is normal to me. Like I don't, dressing up always felt very uh, foreign to me constantly. Well, you know, we, it seems like dressing and and what we wear it, it seems so elementary but it really is so much a part of us because so you walking around that campus other people were able to look at you and have a have a very initial first impression of who you were what you're good at what your skills are so what we wear as as much as we we maybe don't want to think about it much or or we don't want it to be true, but what we wear, we, we as humans, we can't ignore the fact that we, we take a look at someone and give them a first impression and, and it's, it's neither right nor wrong, nor it's just what happens. It's just what you do. So your dress is, is really important. Um, and and it's interesting that that your career and the way you dress and the uniform you wear it all it all goes into you as a person. It's so funny. It's like when I'm training people, you know, and right now I'm sitting, I'm wearing like a very nice men's like Lululemon pants. Like I have several pairs of them, type of those type of pants. And I'm like, oh, finally, these are the type of pants I've been looking for my whole life, the way they fit and stuff, <laughs> you know, and same thing with like the top and stuff. And so like, I'll wear it like all day. Like even when I don't have to train during the day, I'm like wearing it. And, and I wonder, where do we go from here? Like, what is, what is this? I love talking to people in fashion and stuff. It's like, if you could like shake the crystal ball, you know, and you could say, where are we? Oh, this is what I'd like to see. And here's where I think we're going to be down the line in fashion. What would you say to that? I've thought about that a lot. And I always go to my, I have two daughters, two, two stepdaughters. They're both, um, they've both hit their teenage years. 
and I see what they're wearing, what their friends are wearing, what makes them comfortable, what makes them, um, what makes their personality shine. And they both have two very different styles um, of dressing. And I, I think that we're going to continue to see the comfort movement. We're mm. going to continue to see the size inclusivity and the celebration of all body types, all shapes, all sizes, and all uh, styles. Like it, it's going to be okay to wear whatever you want to wear. It will still, um, you know, you'll still be given a first impression, um, but we'll celebrate that more. And so, what is your what does your daughter wear? What is she like gravitating toward? You know, she's almost nine and it's weird watching your child develop their personal style uh, yeah. for clothing. And all this, I'm like, I feel like she's really dialed into a certain look. And now it's, it's basically like boots with leggings with kind of an eighties shoulder drop shirt type of thing. And it's yes, literally like all is, over the place, but it like it fits that's her. Hot. You know? <laughs> that is hot right now. She is on trend. <laughs> she, she's an on trend girl. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's the celebration of of you. And, and I think even though the, it's weird because I look back at, you know, what did I wear at that age at my stepdaughter's age now? And um, the availability of styles and what was there, I mean. It, we didn't have Amazon, so you had to go to the mall. You had so there's just so much availability now to to get whatever your style is a, a hat that you love, uh, a, a crazy color leggings. Um, you are not bound by the walls of the mall anymore. <laughs> um, it, it is it's open season in terms of uh, in terms of what you want to wear. I feel like matching things has gone out the window on some level. It, it has. It ha I, I'm intrigued by it. I, I still match. Me I, too. <laughs> I, I, I can't quite like do the cool like Instagram blogger look where she's got two different patterns on. I wish I, I wish I felt comfortable. But that's actually that's a being comfortable is about the confidence that it gives you. So we haven't talked yet about confidence. I think that's yeah. it, confidence plays yeah. in in a huge way. I mean, what our daughters feel confident in and what we feel confident in in the workplace, what we feel confident in as the uniform in our jobs. So. You know, it's interesting. I, at one time in my life, a long time ago, I was um, running, uh, heading up this program to certify personal trainers in a career college, kind of a vocational school. And I remember... This was a brand new program. So in this school, you're talking about there's HVAC, there's massage therapy, there's medical billing and coding, all these things where you have like these, these uniforms that are pretty standard. A lot of people know them. So we went to pick out the stuff for the personal trainers. And I remember the heads of the school were very uncomfortable with my choices for the uniform because it was too relaxed. It was too comfortable. Wow. And so, well, it should be wearing like collared shirts and it should be like khaki pants. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I was like, this is not how trainers like to dress. Like, this is not an IT salesman job. Like, this is a physical activity moving around. You need to be able to break out into a workout or demonstrate things and be comfortable and movement in three planes of motion. 
I don't know about you. I don't want to be demonstrating stuff in khaki pants, man, you know, and stuff. And they just didn't <laughs> understand that because in their mind, and these, these were much older people, they assumed it was kind of like you're on the floor standing like a salesperson wearing this nicer stuff in their mind and was very rigid and stiff. I said, no, this, this has to be pliable. You know, it needs to be more comfortable. And I remember they just, they just hated it. They hated the idea of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so there's been a lot of influence and I think just like you did, employees have influenced their companies to change their workplace policies around what to wear. And that's been a huge, I mean, you haven't heard that much about it, but it has been a huge change um, in, in just our everyday worlds. Like if you wake up and you put on something comfortable versus waking up and, and putting on what they said they think you should wear, there's a big difference in how you do your job and how you feel. And uh, it just the, exactly your rationalization of like why this dress was going to be important. These are huge things. Yeah. Like it goes to the confidence thing. Like I'm going to feel a little bit weird wearing some super stuffy outfit trying to train people versus wearing something that's more relaxed. I mean, what I wear to train people is the exact same thing that my clients wear to work out. <laughs> you know, so we look the same. Right. <laughs> right. That's exactly. That's how you motivate people. You motivate people back to what we said at the very beginning. It's about learning who they are and, and what and and all about them and if you're getting on their level and you're wearing what they're wearing so you can jump right into it and do it with them, that right there is is huge motivation. So tell me a little bit about the feedback or the response that you're getting from people about, you know, this, in, in many ways, kind of this rise of the hosiery industry again. And, and especially, I would say, among millennials or younger people who maybe have not been exposed to this in their lives. Well, so I, I love when, uh, customers send me feedback or they, you know, they write me an email or they leave a review because the review would be like, I hate tights and pantyhose, but, (laughs) but I will, I will wear what you're selling because you've made it comfortable. So the feedback, there are these shared stories by women that say, I've hated this for so long. What, I, why didn't I think of this is something that I get a lot, which I love when the women say that. Or I came up with this idea. This was my idea that I told, you know, my, I told my aunt about. You, you've got a great product when people think, you know, people think in their minds that they came up with the idea. Um, and, and they probably did. Um, so, so that's the feedback has been right in terms of taking a category and changing it and adapting it to the to the needs of your customer and what they desire to have. So um I think, you know, women still there's a function to it. Uh you in the winter time and definitely it depends on the mark, you know, depends on the area of the the country you're in or we we ship worldwide. So it depends on where you live, but there is a function to, if you want to wear a skirt or a dress, you got to have a way to cover your legs. You could be cold. Um, you could want a certain look to your outfit. 
So the function is there, but now it actually meets the demands of the customer. So the feedback has been really fun and it's fun to, it's been fun to bring different um, consumer age groups in and hear what millennials want versus, you know, what does the 55 year old uh, woman and how she remembers hosiery, what does she want it to be like? So it's been, it's been interesting to get the, uh, to get the different perspectives. And that's what you got to do as a marketer. You've got to look at the different perspectives and the needs of the consumer demands you're trying to meet. So what are the differences? What have, what have they said? What does that person in their 50s say versus someone who is a millennial and what they're looking for in this? Yeah, so the women, the women who are 55 plus, they remember, you know, they remember the 80s. They remember a time when there were requirements about what she, what she wore to work. Um, and they, they remember that either, you know, fondly of all, all these, all these great looks that, you know, we don't have anymore, or she remembers it in disdain, like, Oh, I hated wearing that. And so there's that memory that comes into play about what the product was like. And, uh, and so sometimes it, it's breaking down, um, perceptions, of what she thinks that the product category may still be and and definitely delivering on the attributes of how you've changed it to to make it more relevant today. Um, whereas millennials, they don't have that backstory. They've been now living in a world that has been more casual since they've been in the workforce. So she draws from a place of it, it's got to be functional and it's got to be comfort. Um, and doesn't have necessarily any um, interactions with the brand category prior to her, um, you know, discovering it because she has to, you know, have it for work or have it for an event. Um, so it, it's back to that collective, you know, that collective experience again, um, building upon your experiences um, as a as a consumer. I wonder if like we're going to get too comfortable, you know, like if it's like. How can you be like overly comfortable in a sense like and now I think about as the as remote work continues to rise and accelerate, are we at a point where we're wearing pajamas too much and <laughs> things you know you know <laughs> it I do think that um comfort will stay, but there is there is this excitement that I'm seeing on social media about um, coming out of these times that we're living in and dressing up for things um, because maybe you have a closet full of stuff that's no longer, you know, if we're only wearing pajamas, you you have a closet full of stuff that's no longer relevant, right? So you begin to think about the investments that you've made and you have this desire to, I guess, feel I don't know, feel more there. I, in pajamas, I feel more relaxed. I feel more lazy, yeah. to be honest. And I think we'll get to a point where we'll say, oh, if, if, I, just, if I just put this on, I'll be more productive yep. today. <laughs> um, and, and you, yeah, you hear, you see some of that going on with the, it's, it's comedy that, you know, all these celebrities are wearing 
pajama pants every day and it gets more, it's a relatability factor, but I don't think it's going to be a hundred percent pajamas all the time, but I could be wrong. I just think it's weird on some level. Like, I don't know. I think it's maybe my own personal bias. Like I, I I can't remember the last time I wore pajamas the entire day. Like I just, I don't like I'll wear, I'll just put on my stuff. I, my workout stuff, (laughs) you know, I'll be like, for some reason, I yeah. feel like it. Like if I'm if I'm just like feeling lazy all the time. I'm, there's times to do nothing. I enjoy doing nothing and stuff. But it's like sometimes what you wear, it it basically it's some. It feels like it it motivates you or demotivates you to do stuff. You know, it's like get up, make your bed, get dressed, be productive. You know, it absolutely affects your mood. It's that it affects your confidence. It It's a whole mood setter. And again, back to this idea, we don't think about it a whole bunch, but it is totally a mood setter. And uh, so I have a question for you. So in your, in your uh, workout gear, do you feel like you could just like bust out a move at any time? Like I'm going to just, I can just like work out at any moment. Is that what's it? Does that give you that uh, feeling when you wear your workout gear? Yeah, all the time? I think it's um, it's very ritual based in some sense. Like when I was a collegiate athlete and athletics my whole life growing up, I mean, any athlete will tell you what you wear as you're uh, practicing, what you wear for competitions. It's actually a gigantic deal. It's a huge, hugely related to confidence. And even this day, as a 42-year-old man, when I go into a workout, I work out really hard, I like to wear certain things. I'm like, okay, today, depending on what I'm going to do, I'm going to wear long like leggings, tights, or today I'm going to wear these compression shorts like I have on today. They're like towards my knee. And the feeling I get wearing that or the type of shoes I'm wearing for this workout, it, 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 it sets the stage for how I want to perform in that. So nice. I just don't just nice. willy nilly just wear anything to work out or to, you know, perform when I'm training people. How I dress is is a part of like my confidence, my feeling going into that. So I really actually think about it. You know, like washing my clothes, I'd be like, I need these tights today. I need this for this workout. I gotta have these. You know, like I actually think it drives my wife crazy. She's like, Why do you need those? Just wear shorts. You just have to. I was like, Nah, that's not a short today. You know, I was like. That that is so funny. Oh, so I don't think we'll be wearing PJs all the time then, because all of us will be napping at all times. None of us will be able to get anything done. You just feel lazy and stuff, and I'm all for being lazy here and there because it's nice, you know. And binging on Netflix, I'm. I mean, I got into a huge discussion about this on a podcast with somebody. Like, oh man, I'm all about it, but. When it's time to get down and do stuff, like I want to, it's, it's almost a ritual for me. It's a feeling of like, it projects me forward when I'm thinking about, I'm wearing right. this shirt, it's this tight. I want to have a hoodie on this one when I warm up. Like it's a whole thing for me. You know, my wardrobe and how I perform is important to me um, in terms of my work performance and my workout performance. Yeah, it's it is important. It is, it's so important. It, and it just gets my mind like going, like all these things we do in life and are we wearing the right thing at the right moment? 
Are we optimizing ourselves to the best potential? Well, I'm, I'm also very <laughs> counterculture and things. And like, like I own one of my businesses. It's, you know, I'm in business meetings with, I would say, significantly older gentlemen who come from an age where you wore, you were buttoned up hard. And um, there I come walking in and I, you know, I dress up a little bit, but I'm just like, I, you know, I'm wearing like Nike high top sneakers to this meeting with some tight jeans, you know, and like a blazer. And I know I don't look like this person who is used to growing up in an age where they were, they're wearing suits, you know, and hoteliers and stuff. And I just, I just want to be myself. Like if that's how they feel and they want to portray their sense of style, great. I want, this is how I want to be. And if that means we can't do business together because you're judging how I look for that, then we probably, we're not meant to do business together then. You know, if that's look at me for who I am, I get it. You get an impression of how you think I am because of how I dress, but take the time to get to know me and understand my background and my education and my business sense. You know, um, I'm very aware how it might come across, but still it's like, you know, we shouldn't all have to wear the same mask, you know? That is such a key. And we're going back to our teenage daughters. They are being themselves. I think, whereas I think in the nineties, there was, you wear low, you wear logo items. You would fit in a certain way in that, um, time in that time period, there were certain cool things that you would wear. And now it's like, it's cool to be you. It's cool to wear what exemplifies you as a person. And our, and our children have really embraced that. And I love that. And I think it's the mall culture. We just don't have it anymore. So I think a lot of this, like being able to buy something on Amazon has influenced them feeling like they can be themselves um, exactly what you said about going into a meeting and wanting to do business. You're saying, this is me. This is me. Yep. This is me. This is how I am. And I'm not wearing your Izod polo shirt. Like you wanted me to wear in the nineties or Lee Wrangler <laughs> jeans, you know, all these things, these iconic brands that, you know, Ralph Lauren polo and all this stuff from back then. It's like, this is me, man. Like what, what is, the appropriate dress. I don't, I don't know. Like, it's just, let me be myself. I've, and in my forties, I made a huge turn in my style. My whole personal makeup, like a lot of times when people first see me, they're very jarred by the fact that I have like a flat top from like back in the eighties, you know, a black man with a flat top. (laughs) And I have this huge blonde streak going through my hair. I have black earrings. I have tattoos. You know, I don't look like what you think I probably would be. But that's my personal style. That's what I like. That's how I want to project myself. And I'm always evolving that look as I'm like, how can I make this actually a little more edgier? You know, put lines in my hair and designs and stuff. And and uh, I think that's who I always wanted to be. And I got the courage nice. to do that when I got into my 40s. Like, I don't care. I'm just going to do it, you know? Yeah, as it, as time goes on, we do like loosen up on our set, like giving ourselves such a hard time about fitting in and we're more willing to be ourselves. And I do see that the younger generation is already more willing to be themselves 
now. They didn't have to wait mm-hmm. till their 40s. That's a beautiful thing. And I know there's a lot about social media that um, that doesn't have the best of lights. But one thing that social media has done is been a platform for you to be you and for you to be able to share who you are um, with with your community and with your followers and your friends and family. And that's given us, it's like really propelled society into a place where you can be you and you can tell everybody who you are on your platform. Definitely. I got to tell you, this went in, in a very different direction than I thought this was going. And that's the beauty of doing it this way. And uh, I would definitely like to have another conversation about this because I feel there's a lot of other places to go. But our time is up right now. It is flying, flying by. by. Love, just like just like the eighties to now. Yes, oh my exactly. Gosh. Oh, Laura, thank you so much time for flies. your time. Absolutely, yes. It's been fun chatting with you, and it has been fun uh, walking this journey and not knowing the destination, like we said from the beginning. But you know, stepping through it and and seeing where it would Definitely. go. Definitely. Well, listen, we will be in touch, and you have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.